If you have your copy of Scripture, uh, go ahead and look with me with, um, at Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9, we're uh, closing our series on Amos with uh, verses 11 to 15. Now, this has been an interesting series to, um, to work our way through as a church, and many of you have been uh, challenged by different parts of it. Uh, many of you, some of you have had your, your toes stepped on, on on parts of it, and uh, going, oh, hold on, I haven't had to think about that, or maybe I didn't want to think about that for a while, and, uh, and that's kind of what Amos is wanting to do in this uh, passage for Israel uh, in their time, and God wants to do in our church today through uh, the book of Amos is uh, at times to, to wake us up as a church and to cause us to have a look at ourselves and see some things that we may need to change to make sure that our lives are, are honoring to God or are on track with God. Now, I know that each week uh, we, we've gone through 11 messages of destruction and uh, punishment and, and doom, and I have to say that at least... This chapter ends with, with a bit of hope, uh, and it ends with uh, a bit of uh, refreshment, so to speak, I guess, after uh, so many messages about uh, punishment and, uh, and destruction, which is to come for those who choose not to follow. And we see uh, the beautiful hope we have for those who, who follow God and those who, who trust in Him. And so um, let me read for you just as uh, verses 11 to 15. And then we'll get into the message. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be. So that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord. Who will do these things? The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make, they will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. Let's just pray. Dear God, we thank you and we praise you for the precious gift of your word. We pray, Lord, that you lead us now. Teach us your ways. Help us, Lord, with our faith in you, to trust you with all of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the way as we surrender to you, you provide for us, you care for us, you love us, you guide us, you nurture us, you lead us in the, the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Be honored and glorified, God, through us as your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you remember much about uh, the book of Amos, if you haven't read through it, by the way, go ahead and read through uh, these nine chapters. It's not a long read in Amos, but there's some powerful stuff in there, some great challenges for us as uh, the people of God. Um, I know that we don't like to be challenged, and we don't like to be redirected if we're heading down the wrong direction but we all need that sometimes don't we now i, I i'm terrible i don't know about you but I, i'm terrible if i'm driving along i don't want to admit if I, I think i might be heading the wrong direction 
And I just want to keep driving along and kind of think, no, I'm, I'm just taking a scenic route. Yeah, I meant to go this way. And I'll just kind of go until I know where I'm at and then make a turn and uh, make it kind of seem like uh, I, I knew where I was going all along. Now, sometimes that works. And sometimes it really just gets you in a mess, doesn't it? Sometimes you can get to a point and you think, okay, well, I have to admit it now. I have no idea where I am. Um, now, I grew up in a little town, as you know, in the, the hills of Kentucky. There's only about 5,000 people there. Uh, there's, I think there's two traffic lights uh, in, in Williamsburg. There's a couple more now, actually, really growing up. Um, but uh, you, could, you could kind of find your way around anywhere. Now, there were no, no blocks or anything. Like, the, the streets aren't in, in blocks or anything. It's just kind of... Uh, you can wind your way around, though, at least, and get anywhere. And eventually, uh, they all kind of say, well, all the roads lead to the same place. Eventually, I think you can, you can get somewhere. So at least if you're, if you're a bit lost, you can kind of keep on going and turn this way, and eventually you'll get back around there. Now, it might take you an hour longer than you planned on getting there, but you can kind of figure out and wind your way around. Now, I discovered when I first moved to Sydney, Sydney's not always that way. <laughs> I've discovered that if I just keep going, all of a sudden I'm going to end up in a tunnel or on a bridge and I have no idea. And I'm like, I just need to get right there. But you just can't wind around there. And uh, so sometimes, whether we like it or not, we need to be redirected. We, we need someone, a, a GPS or something that's going to say, hey, please perf perform a U-turn as soon as possible. Yeah? And change around and turn around. And, and that's what a lot of Amos has been about been saying, look, there are some things in all of our lives that we need to be challenged with sometimes. And for the people who don't turn to God, the people who keep on living in those wrong ways, the people who keep on going those wrong directions, there is punishment for that. And God doesn't want us to have to go through that. He says all this sort of stuff, all these challenging messages about uh, punishment and judgment that's coming for those who are unfaithful to him. He says all that to us because he loves us and he doesn't want us to have to go through that. He doesn't want us to have to suffer that sort of punishment or, or judgment. And he didn't want that for Israel. But Israel had come to a point they just kept rejecting God and they kept turning away from him and he keeps trying to redirect them. Through other prophets like, like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and they just kept on refusing to, to turn to him. And, and so God sends Amos to speak this message of judgment and punishment that's coming on the people. But then he ends this great book with the hope for those who do trust in him. For if you remember last week, we, we ended and he said, look, I will judge those who have refused to follow me and those who have turned away from me. He said, I will shake Israel like, like in a sieve. And all of those who have forsaken me will be punished. But then in verse 11, he starts talking about restoring his people. Verse 11, 12 says, In that day I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins. And I'll rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. God says, all throughout Amos, I will be the one that will bring this judgment. I will be the one 
that on the people I love will bring this punishment. But he also says, for those who trust in me, those who do surrender to me, those who want to follow me, I will be the one to, that you can put your hope in. I will be the one who will restore my people. Now we mentioned in, in weeks past, the people of Israel pride themselves, especially in King David's rule. King David was considered their, their greatest king. And, and partially because the, their kingdom had expanded so far through different military conquests, they had a great kingdom. Jerusalem was a powerful city with strong walls that they thought were impenetrable. They thought that they, they were a powerhouse that no one else could mess with. And the people longed to get back to King David's time because they'd been oppressed and they'd been, uh, they'd been tortured by so many armies. The, the Babylonians, the, the Assyrians had, had, had tortured them and tormented them and, and they'd, grown, they'd lost so much land and so much of their kingdom to these other kingdoms. And they longed to get back to those glory days. And God says, I, I will be the one to restore my people. I will restore the walls in the city of Jerusalem like it was in King David's time. He's saying, I will bring them back. I will bring you back to a place of prominence. I will bring you back to a place of where you feel safe again. Since the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed, the people thought they were never safe. But God says, your safety will be in me. Your prominence will be in me. I will restore you as a people. I will give you great influence over others in the world like you once had. You see, the people of Israel called for a purpose. They were God's special people, His dearly loved people, and He called them to share the message of hope with others. God says, not only for you though, Israel, I'm, restore, I'm, I'm calling all people who will trust in me. And I will restore any of them. I will protect any of them who will trust in me, who will follow me. And I will give them great influence over all the world. He said, I will reclaim the lands. And he mentions Edom. And he says, I'll, I'll give you back some of that land that you lost, such as Edom, which is destroyed by the Babylonians. And he says, I will extend the kingdom into all the nations. Now here he moves beyond just talking about the people of Israel. He's talking about the people of God, the kingdom of God, including people of every race and every nation who put their trust in him. There's a similar passage in uh, a beautiful psalm of David in Psalm 72, talking about the kingdom of God and all that are in it. And in, uh, in chapter 72, beginning of verse, um, sorry, but verse 8, it says this, May he rule from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the king of Sheba and Seba present presents to him. May all the kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. God moves beyond talking 
about just this one people, the nation of Israel, to all those who put their trust in him. And he says, those who deny him and those who turn away from him and those who, who just reject him, there, there's punishment for that. But for those who are faithful to him, those who surrender to him, even from the depths of the ruin, I will bring restoration and I will bring hope and I will restore my people. I will bring you back strong, safe, protected. He said, I will extend the kingdom to all the nations. Now, part of that is involved in, there were Jews in many nations around. They call it the diaspora, which is the, the, the dispersed Jews when they were kind of forced out of, into exile out of Israel. Many of them fled to other nations and, and other lands. And uh, still today, they're, they're Jews in, in most countries in the, in the world. And God says, not only though will I, I give those Jews who, who decide to follow me uh, prominence and, and protection and I'll bless my people. He says, any believers, kings and leaders of, of nations all over the world, I call to, to serve and I will protect and I will restore. The sinful will be punished. The faithful will be restored. And God says he'll not only restore his people, but he'll richly bless his people. Now, verse 13 and 14 says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and he will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. This is a great passage. He's just saying there's just going to be such an abundance of blessing that it just blows your mind. It doesn't even make any sense where all of this is coming from. You see, if you remember in Amos so far, God's saying, look, you're about to be wiped out. Those of you who say, well, surely God wouldn't punish me, you're going to be killed and you're going to be wiped out because of your unfaithfulness to God, because you've chosen to live without him. But God says that those who turn to him and those who trust to him, he will bless. He will not only restore and he, he will strengthen those walls and he'll protect and he'll bring that place of prominence, but he said, I will richly bless you. And the idea here, he's talking this, this farmer analogy, which is great for me. I just understand this. I think there's hard work in farming. Now, I grew up on a simple little farm. Like We weren't anything near compared to Australian farms, which are just, you know, many, many kilometers um, in, in size. We had a small little 40-acre uh, farm, and um, it started out, it was my, uh, my grandmother. Uh, my dad's mom was raised there as a little child. Um, the property has been in our family since before the Civil War, it's the mid-1800s. And uh, it's just kind of a small little plot that my family have always owned. There's about 100 acres there that's part of our family. And when we grew up uh, raising some crops on part of this 40 acres, I remember hating all the work that was involved in, in gardening. Now, nowadays, oftentimes, we just kind of go to the grocery store and we pick out what we want, or you get the frozen beans out of the uh, packet, whatever, and throw them in the water. But I remember every single night in the summer, you couldn't just sit and watch TV. 
you had to be snapping beans and stringing green beans and shucking corn and, and doing all this stuff. And every morning, we're out watering the garden. And every afternoon, when they're watering the garden, and we're out there with our hoes weeding the garden. I remember one year for my birthday, I was so excited because my dad had, anyway, he, he just doesn't do presents. Mom always gets the presents. I know that that's often the case. And the dad goes, the kids go, oh, thanks, Dad. And he goes, yeah, that's great. And he has no idea what he's got you. Yeah. Well, my dad was that way. He never really got presents. But one year he bought me a, a, a birthday present. And I was so excited. I'd never seen anything like it. It was just huge. And I opened this present, ripped into it, and it was a hoe for the garden. <laughs> and um, I know I've told Sonny before, but I thought, you know, he, oh, he was, he was excited about it. He's like, yes, now I've got some good help for the garden. Yeah. Um, and you're all the time hoeing the weeds. And, and you've got to spend this long time well, plowing the field and, and, and nurturing and getting all that right, fertilizing the field, keeping all that ready. And then when it's time to plow the field, it takes a long time to, to plow the rows. Not nowadays. i got all these tractors that just kind of do it. We didn't ever own a tractor. And um, so we, we had a little tiller uh, that would just kind of go through and, and, and uh, uh, plow the rows. And then we'd use a hoe and kind of get it out, plant each seed, cover it over with a hoe, mark the rows, uh, what's in there. And then you know what happens? I don't know if you know much about gardens, but I used to think, wow, we planted the seed and then I remember waking up as a young child, going to see the garden to see how all the plants were going. I don't know if you know, but all you see the next day is a bunch of dirt. There's no plants there. There's just a bunch of seeds still in the ground. Next day, it's just dirt. And then eventually, you see a little, little plant start to come up. And then before you know it, the corn is, is eight foot tall. And you've got the corn coming out everywhere. If you keep on nourishing it, you keep on... Uh, growing and going, and then all of a sudden the work comes in again because the harvest comes in, and you're bringing in the corn and you're bringing in the beans and you're you're snapping the beans and you're stringing the beans and you're shucking the corn and you're doing all that kind of stuff to prepare it. And then what happens, at least in Kentucky, what happens is then all the uh, the farmers have to uh, can all of those vegetables, uh, well, not all of them, but you can a lot of these vegetables so that you have enough vegetables to last throughout the year. So you don't raise enough just to eat for the summer. You raise enough to last your family for the whole year. And so you can those and put them down in the cellar. And so it seems like the work never stops. Well, here, when somebody says, look, this is like the harvest is just pouring in even before you planted the seeds completely. It's like you don't even have to wait for it. It's just like microwave gardening. It's just instant. It's just happening for you. It's just flowing out. He said, I'm just going to bless you so much that the food is just going to keep coming out. It's just going to be everywhere. Now, I'm a good Baptist, and I like to eat. So I like this idea of just food coming out everywhere. You know, there's just abundance of, of food and drink and blessing. But the people in, uh, in Amos' time in Israel equated food with prominence and food with blessing. Because those who were, were kings and well-off in the kingdom, even in Israel's day, when they were in that time of prominence with, with King David leading them, there was blessing of food and, and protection. They didn't worry about anything. They just trusted God would keep providing for them. And he said, look, I'm going to give you so much blessing. The, the grapes are, are being crushed for the wine even before the vines 
are fully planted. Unimaginable the way it just keeps on flowing in. New wine, this, this sign of celebration. They didn't drink much wine when they were struggling. They didn't drink much wine because wine was reserved for, for celebrations, for happy times, for festivals. And here he says, this new wine is just going to be flowing like rivers from your land. An abundance of food and drink and celebration and abundant life. Jesus says in the New Testament, the thief comes but to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Have it to the fullest. He wants to see these rivers of, of new wine just flowing in our lives. He wants to see this abundance of, of food and blessing. And he says, I will restore those who trust in me. I will bless all those who trust in me. And I will protect all of those who trust in me. Verse 15 says this, I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land that I've given them, says the Lord your God. Those whom God plants are secure. God says earlier, I will be the one to wipe from the face of the earth those who do not trust in me. I love people. I created you. I want you to have a life with me. I want you to have that abundant life. I want you to receive the grace. I want you to receive forgiveness. I want you to receive mercy. But if you keep choosing your own way, I'll not force you to follow me. I'll not force you to trust me. And there will be punishment. And there will be judgment for those who do not follow me. But likewise, he says, for those who put their trust in me, I will protect you. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. Jesus says a similar passage in the book of Matthew. Beautiful verse. Many of you, um, many of you would know well. In um, I just flipped to it. Matthew chapter ten. Matthew chapter ten, beginning verse twenty-seven. Jesus is speaking here and he says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Sorry, it's chapter 11. Heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, I will take care of you. I will provide for you as you trust in me. I will be there for you. I'll be there for all my people who put their trust in me. If the Lord plants something there, I tell you, it's not going to move. Now, I've seen people try to plant trees by a riverbank, and um, 
If you, if you don't know what you're doing, you plant things uh, too shallow. I've seen uh, trees that are just saplings uh, lean over and fall out of the ground before they ever uh, take root and take off. God is the creator of every tree, the creator of every plant, every flower, every human. He knows his stuff. And God says if we're in him, he will plant us like a, a tree that's planted firmly by the water that just takes roots and stands strong no matter the storms, no matter the challenges of life. He will, trust, uh, he will take care of us as we trust in him. He says he will protect us and guide us all of our days. God wants to restore us. God wants to bless us and he wants to, re- to, bless, to protect us for all those who put their trust in him. The church, this book of Amos is, was written to, to warn the people of Israel, God's people, to turn to him and to submit to him, to follow him. And church, this series, even today, is, is about challenging us to take a look at ourselves, make the changes that God reveals to each of us as needed, seek God's support, and encourage and love one another closer and closer to God and His ways each day. We're going to close by singing. Uh, of course, we sang a couple weeks ago. It's the, uh, the course to turn your eyes upon Jesus. But I think it's a great closing for the series. It's just saying, you know what? If we just turn to God and we trust in Him, He brings the hope. He restores. He heals. And all those carries... Those worries and the cares that we seem so stressed and burdened with just grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I want to challenge you as we sing this song to just worship Him, to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Allow Him. Give Him your heart. Give Him your life. Surrender yourself to Him. Say, God, challenge me. Change me. Grow me into who you want me to be. God, I want to trust you. I focus on the problems of the world for too long. I focus on the stresses that society says I should stress over for too long. God, I want to fix my eyes on you. I give you my heart. Take me, Lord. Grow me. Change me into who you want me to be. Let's all stand, if you will, and join us as we sing this Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus.